Hello, and welcome to the 12th House Podcast. I'm Michelle Pelazon Lipsitz, your host and the head rich in charge here at Holisticism. And if you've listened to this podcast before, you may have noticed this slight name change, and that is because I am officially a married woman. In fact, I am recording this on my honeymoon next to my husband. He's snapping. He's putting his fingers in the air. He's doing a happy dance. <laughs> and he's being very generous, allowing me to record this in, in bed when we're supposed to be decom- not, not working at all. But I wanted to get to this because it is our last episode of the 12th house for 2021, which is crazy to me. We've been doing this podcast for a full year and holy shit, top 10, top 10 in the spirituality chart. That's like pretty cool, you guys. And it's been so fun to make this for you. I'm going to I'm gonna go over my year in review, but before I do that, which hopefully will be useful to you, I do want to say we are taking the month of December off of the 12th house and we'll come back in January 2022. We have a lot of big dreams, <laughs> um, big plans. And in order to make those big plans happen, sometimes you just need to like rest and power down in some areas to just let things percolate. I'm really excited about where this podcast is going. It It tickles all my nerdy fantasies and I can't wait to make it for you. And I'm just grateful that you're, you've been along for the journey. Thanks for sticking with us as we got our sea legs underneath us and thanks for supporting us as you continue to grow. And I can't wait to see what happens next. And if you're not already subscribed to Good For You, our other secret podcast project, go ahead and smash that subscribe button. Uh, we'll drop the, good, the next episode of Good For You, which launches on December 3rd in this feed so you can get a sneak peek. But if you want to listen to some real short little teaser clips, head on over to Good For You Pod and check it out. With that, let's get into this final episode. I really like to do a year in review and I always appreciate when entrepreneurs or thought leaders or just really smart people that I love publish their year in review, sort of a postmortem on what happened to them, what they learned, what went well, what didn't go well, and kind of like the major themes of their life over a 12-month period of time. So often when we're, I think, like on the outside looking in, it seems like the pe- people that we look up to or the people that we see on the internet have their shit so together. And, and it's not until you realize, until they tell you, like they were maybe really struggling and and or grappling with something that didn't just take a couple of days or a couple of weeks to sort of overcome or make their mind up about, but maybe took months or even a full year. Or maybe they still haven't made their mind up about it. And I think that that's really cool. And it's a worthwhile practice because post doing a postmortem on any project, basically looking at a project and saying, okay, what went well here? what didn't go so well and what would I want to repeat and move forward with and what do I definitely not want to repeat ever again (laughs) Um, is really valuable. You know, like our failures, I mean, that's one of my my notes. I definitely wrote notes for this because there was a lot to review, but it was one of my my big notes of the year. Like failure is almost more valuable than success because especially if you leverage it correctly, you can learn so much and you can collapse timelines when you apply and really look at your failures honestly and figure out like, okay, why didn't that go the way I thought it was going to go? And I don't know, make moves around it. You know what I mean? So I'm going to go over my year in review. And part of why I wanted to do this out loud for you is because we're about to host a two-hour class on future visioning and setting up your circular 2022 sales calendar. And 
I love planning. If you listen to this podcast, you probably, probably already know that about me. Love planning so much. And one of the things that we do, many of us with squiggly brains or ADHD or perfectionism, is we get so obsessed with the planning that we forget that life happens and we will go and build out an entire year's marketing calendar and nail all of our dates, write them in pen and all of our financial goals and we'll block off every vacation that we want to take. And then things happen like coronavirus or someone gets sick or your life changes. You know, the project that you thought was so exciting and interesting in January is less interesting to you come April when it's time for you to finally make it. And while I love planning so, so, so very much, and I think it's really important to not just fly by the seat of your pants, which I'm going to talk about a little bit because that was a big learning for me this year. I think it's important to stay flexible. And that's the cool thing about timeline collapsing and sort of taking a quantum leap is that often it requires paradoxical moves or moving in the direction or taking the steps that you didn't think to take in order to get to where you want to go. I'll talk about all this later, but if you are curious about future visioning, which is something that we do and offer only inside of the North Node, and if you want to build out your circular sales calendar for 2022 and see how we do that holisticism and how we teach people in the North Node to do it, get some really cool Notion documents to go along with it, I'll put the link below and you can sign up for class. I would love to have you. All right, with that, I'm going to get into my year in review. I've got seven bullets here. I don't want to be boring for you. I just want to be fun, breezy, give you some nice little nuggets and pearls to go to walk away with. And I would love to hear from you. What would land on your year in review? So I don't know, tag me on Instagram, share it. I'd love to see that. Let me start with the very first thing. In January, actually over the Christmas, New Year's break, I don't know what happened to me, but I got this fire lit under my ass to just redo all of our systems at Holisticism and to double down on Notion, which I hadn't been forcing my team to use, but I I eventually said, come January, we're all going to try using this system and let's see if we can do it. And it was amazing. I I think I I just went really hard on Notion because I'm obsessed with it and have been using it for the last four years. And really, I think the, the subtext of that was I went hard on structure. Flexibility without structure is chaos. And as a very limber person, I can tell you that if you don't have like the musculature to keep your flexibility in check, you're going to get injured and you're going to get hurt, right? It's almost like that flexibility isn't, it isn't functional. And as an intuitive and really creative person who had kind of been honestly running her business by herself for a long time, I could, I really prided myself on being flexible and fluid. I didn't need a ton of structures because I didn't have people who really relied on me. I could make the rules for myself and that was awesome. And as I expanded the team and hired what felt like many people to me and needed to make sure things felt supportive for all of us, creating structures was really important. And that meant, you know, delegating to the team their individual tasks making them responsible for the things that they're amazing at that I'm not so good at. And that that also meant that we had to create clear standard operating procedures or SOPs. So how do we do things? And what's the sort of quickest way? What's the hypotenuse? How can we get through our tasks without too much admin stuff, but also make sure that we're doing it well and we're doing it with integrity and we're doing it with clarity. And if any of us needs to tap out for whatever reason, someone can pick up that slack and take that job off their hands if they need to. And I also think that working for the better part of 2020 in a topsy-turvy pandemic really messed with 
my ADHD. You know, all of the systems and structure that that I'd sort of jerry-rigged together to help me function were stripped away from me by kind of having to work from home all the time with a partner and a dog and really changing my workflow and the amount of added stress. I think that all of us can say, you know, weighed heavily upon us, especially in 2020, that really caused me to look at how I was functioning and if I was functioning as well as I possibly could and with as much compassion for myself and kindness and also just like joy that I find from the work that I do. And so creating the structures were really, really helpful for that and also just figuring out, you know, really figuring out my ADHD, not trying to create band-aids to help me get through. Instead of just like surviving, I think I really learned how to thrive with my unique style of learning and working and embrace my squiggly brain. I hope a lot of other people have been able to embrace their squiggly brains too. And other things that really helped with structure were meeting in person with the team. We started working at a co-working space called Second Home in LA. It's been so fun. And getting that touch point of like being in person is really valuable for us and working in person as a team, even with our remote crew. So getting together once a quarter is our new goal for a week at a time and just kind of putting our heads together, having fun, relishing each other, getting to know each other even better. It's been, it's been really cool. So structure, that's number one. Number two, the thing that I learned this year is that it's okay to show up early to a party or to the party as long as you don't blow your water early. And what I mean by that is it's okay to be early. Like you might be early to a trend or to an idea or to honestly a perspective, right? And when you first start talking about it, people might look at you sideways. People, it might not even stick because it's so foreign, kind of what your belief is or what you're pulling together, right? And instead of overthinking that and being like, uh, people aren't ready for this. I think that that's when it's time to sort of double down and just make it part of your worldview and start talking about it more, not in an obnoxious way, but just as like, it's a foregone conclusion that this thing is going to happen. And being early can really suck as someone who I think like the first iteration of holisticism was a bit early for what people wanted. We wanted to do virtual sessions and appointment practitioners all over the world and connect people through video meetings. And I remember pitching that idea to so many practitioners and they said, I would never do video calls. I would never do a Zoom meeting. I would never do a tarot reading over Zoom. That's just weird. (laughs) Fast forward to 2020 and um, now we're very comfortable with Zoom. And that was five years ago that I came up with that idea and it was a little too early and that's okay. But I've learned now that if you really believe in something, it's kind of your responsibility to create the backwards bridge to where people are and meet people where they're at and help them cross the threshold to your new idea, your new perspective, your new way of thinking and seeing things. You know, I think (laughs) a couple of things this year that stuck out to me were the cusp. You know, we started the cusp in January of 2021. And it's been such a cool place to see grow over time and see people really start to understand and have conversations and sort of like dig their teeth into what this wellness hype beast idea is and sort of marrying together the idea of consumerism and care and consciousness and how do all these things come together to, and how, how does like being in the world and consumption contribute to our well being or not, right? And I don't think people really really got that at first. And now it's really picking up steam, which is cool. I think even the 12th house and kind of what we tried to do here, it was not slow in the beginning, but 
it, it felt like, you know, there wasn't really anyone who had, who had a voice like what we were trying to do here. And to see people respond to it has been like amazing. Digital Altars, our class on creating a social media system and treating your digital space as an altar with sigil spells and digital spells and magic through the ethers and really thinking about the digital space as a place that we can we can co-create the same way that we do in the physical realm and how those aren't they're not direct mirrors of each other right they are separate spaces i i feel like that was something that we've been talking about for a while that i'm starting to see other people talk about which is so cool and circular businesses it's not a new concept but it's been something that's been really important to me since the beginning of holisticism and to see so many people jumping on that idea now, especially is really, truly rewarding. And it's so interesting to see the iteration and also how my perspective has changed over the last couple of years. And I think it can be a little like depressing when you're always early to the party, <laughs> because if you think about it, if you get to the party early and then you sort of blow your wad too early, you know, then you're going home at 10. People are just showing up at 10 o'clock, right? People are like ready to turn up. So how can you nourish yourself and find longevity in the things that you really believe in? And I think that that comes down to sort of, I guess, metabolizing them, these ideas and not feeling like a lone wolf out there, just like talking about it by yourself, but seeing how you can weave your ideas together with what is happening in the world, right? The other conversations that people are extremely willing to have and sort of applying your lens to why the world is obsessed with TikTok or why all of a sudden we want to start thinking about anti-capitalism or divesting from the problematic aspects of capitalism and why that's coming up now and how we can potentially do that or how people are already practicing that. So if you are early, which you probably are, my dear intuitive business owner, because you see the future before other people do, then just pace yourself. And remember, you're the bridge. So how can you build that backwards bridge for people? Okay. My third lesson this year was make paradoxical moves make moves that are surprising and sometimes are antithetical to your intuition or what you think you're supposed to do. I remember as a dancer and a choreographer, sometimes the best work that I'd make was when I would do something that didn't feel natural. When I would get my body stuck in a position, I'd say, okay, how would I normally come out of this? And then I'd, then I'd force myself to do something that was completely the opposite, that felt uncomfortable and weird and new and different. And that was always where the interesting, the interesting thing happened, right? Because it wasn't just easy or natural. It was that helped me see the world differently or helped me see my body differently or helped me see movement differently. And I think that's what paradoxical moves do, right? Like if we really knew how to get where we want to go quickly, 100%, then we would get there a, a lot faster <laughs> than, than you, you probably likely are. If you think you know the way to success, but you've been taking those same steps for the last two, three years, and you're still not where you want to go, guess what? You probably don't know the next step. And it might be time to look at the map that you've drawn for yourself, your sort of imaginary map or what you think the map is supposed to look like, and just say, all right, what if I took the most paradoxical path? Because that is just as likely, to be totally candid, as this made-up path that I've created of what I think I'm supposed to do or how I think I'm supposed to do it. And... Every time I felt stuck this year, and my team has been so helpful on this, we keep asking ourselves, okay, what would, a, what would be a paradoxical move? We know the right way, quote unquote, to do this, but like, what would be a paradoxical way to do this? And I really like thinking about this when I know the right way, quote unquote, but it doesn't get me excited or it makes me like fill with dread. 
but I still feel energy around a project. And then I like asking like, okay, well, what would that paradoxical, what would a paradoxical move be instead? What would the opposite (laughs) of what I want to do, of what I think I'm supposed to do, what would that look like? And how could that get me to where I want to go? Paradoxical moves, man, they're the way to collapse timelines. Number four, dream a little bigger. Don't you think you dream big? I think I dream big. And then I look at all the ways that I'm playing small. And it's not bad to play small, unpopular opinion. It's actually quite healthy sometimes to not be arrogant (laughs) or willfully ignorant of your capacity and what you can handle at any given moment. I think it's important to like pace yourself, but dreaming just a little bit bigger can feel like abundance mindset and it can feel uncomfortable versus scarcity mindset. And I'm not sure how many other small business owners are out there, but I know for me, when I first started holisticism, I bootstrapped it myself and gave myself, you know, two months to like make money basically. And it worked. That was great. And so it's been a slow build over the last couple of years. I don't have investors. I now I have an amazing team that I work with that I I try to give them the best pay I could possibly give them and all the care in the world. And I'm responsible for people's livelihoods. (laughs) So I have to have money in the bank to make sure that if God forbid something happened, people would still get their paychecks and we would be okay in the meantime, while I figured things out, I really skimped and saved on so many things in order to be able to make those moves in order to hire people at a fair wage and offer them things like healthcare. And I had this realization in the middle of the year, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm still really running this business. Like I'm afraid we're going to go under tomorrow and we've got a year of runway in the bank. We're going to be okay. So I really should invest more in being bold in like in trying projects that might not work, in, you know, investing in things like a team retreat that are going to be expensive, but are going to pay off in leaps and bounds in the future and paying for things like a co-working space, which isn't, isn't cheap, right? Those are all investments, but they compound in what we are able to take away and what we get out of them. And that was really scary, you know, just spending a little bit more money to try and and see what could happen. In fact, putting the team on projects that I wasn't sure if they were going to work or not. And maybe having a huge failure and realizing that, wow, someone just worked 40 hours on this project and we can't send it or we can't ship it or we tried it and it totally crashed and failed. And honestly, just try. You, you got to just try, right? Because failure is so valuable, not just for you as a business owner and a person, but also for your team. And it gives us confidence when we're able to try something, maybe not do it perfectly or execute it perfectly and walk away learning something from it, right? Like, oh, this is what I could have done better. Actually, you know what? Next time we start a project, we're going to do a deeper dive on research and see if it's something that people really need. Also, like I had this big dream to do something called VIR at the beginning of last year, Visionary in Residence Program. So we took in nine different incredible spiritual and wellness practitioners and thought leaders and created a residency, a virtual residency program, basically had a whole person on our team who was in charge of it. And it didn't work out exactly the way that I thought it was going to work out. It was still an awesome experience. I'm so glad that we did it. But if we do it again next year, I'm definitely going to rethink the way that that process worked because I wanted to give people resources and access to resources and just basically like full access to the holisticism team. And I think that that was really generous and sometimes a little overwhelming. It's almost like you kind of need to give people a place to start. And that was a really good learning for me. And 
I'm so glad that I got to do that and offer that to some really incredible people. Um, and I learned a lot. <laughs> And it was a big dream. And who knows what will happen in the future. But we're definitely going to do it different. I'm glad that we did it. And I'm glad that I was able to walk away saying, okay, that iteration of that thing, kind of a failure. Didn't really work out the way I wanted it to work out. But that's okay. It was still really important. And some amazing work was made out of it from these incredible leaders. So that I am really proud. I'm really proud of. I'm just really proud to know all of them. All right. My fifth thing that I took away from this year was just asking myself, do I have to do it that way? Which is kind of a paradoxical move, asterisk, but investigating my own actions and my responses to work life, to life, life and relationships, to the way that I show up online and asking, well, do I have to do it that way? Because listen, I'm pretty opinionated and there's a lot of shit that I don't like. And I'm no, yeah, I'm not afraid to say I don't like something. <laughs> My husband will tell you. I usually complain to him. And I realized that I don't know how to phrase this. Do I have to do it that way? Asking myself that came up the most when I felt peer pressured to be something that I wasn't to have a perfect response or to articulate my ideas impeccably or to toe the party line and fall in line how other people thought I should behave or thought I should think or perceived how they perceived me to be. And really asking myself, well, why am I resistant to that? And why does that activate me or trigger me? And why do I think I need to be that way? What do I associate with, I don't know, being an activist? What do I associate with being a partner? What do I associate with being a married person? What do I associate with having a wedding? These sound silly, but to me, they were big questions that I really grappled with. And one of the cool things, I won't talk about the wedding too much because that's probably so boring for everyone, but it was the best day ever. And it makes me cry thinking about it. But one thing that we really wanted was for our wedding to feel like us and to not be too traditional. And we kind of, for a moment, almost got lost in the weeds of like, well, we need to make it more special. We need to make it more unique. We need to make it more us. Is it too boring? And at the end of the day, that felt like overkill. And what was perfect was that our wedding was totally us. And it wasn't because we had a giant paint by numbers or we had a, a huge sing-along or we put rose quartz underneath every guest's chair. It was because the energy that we brought to this ritual was totally and completely and uniquely us and ours. And we had so many people say, this was the most amazing, meaningful experience I have ever been a part of. And, you know, people who are 70 years old to people who are in their 20s. And that really reminded me that I don't need to do it the way that I, that people think I'm going to do it in order for it to be mine and to be my life and to be me. So do I have to do it that way? Do I have to do it the way that people think I'm going to do it? Has been a really good question for me. My seventh, my sixth thing is expanding my multiplicity. I have been on one with multiplicity. I mean, if you listen to this podcast, you know, just embracing my antithetical nature and the disparate parts of me that might not be like a perfectly branded person but are me, my identity and who I am online, who I am in my friendships, in my family, in my relationship with my partner, with my team and playing multiple characters and pulling out multiple archetypes with all of those people and seeing those archetypes interplay with each other and not just being the one thing, um, allowing myself to be fun and free and young 
and also responsible and organized and oriented and intellectual, you know, in the same breath has been really freeing. Expanding in my studies and opening up what I study and not being afraid to tell people what I'm studying and learning about when in the past I would have been afraid to maybe talk about things like crypto and NFTs and Bitcoin. Uh, It's been so cool to see and hear from others that they're also witches who love astrology, who are interested in the blockchain. I love that. And liking these things that that don't exactly make sense all the time, right? Like liking fashion or liking beauty or liking makeup and also being like a feminist (laughs) and not all about vanity and looks, but I love a good glitter eyeshadow. And what does that mean? And does it have to mean anything? And where does that come from? And just exploring it without too much judgment. And honestly, looking at myself and not trying to be good, quote unquote, allowing myself to be all the things that I am, which are good and bad and smart and stupid and ignorant and educated, as opposed to reducing myself down to the one thing, the least common denominator of me, letting myself be bigger and expanding and almost like a galaxy instead of a black hole. I want to light up the sky and I want to show other people how to light up the sky too. You're a constellation, not a black hole, my friend. No shade to black holes. Finally, my mantra for the last, I think, four years has been patience and enthusiasm. And I think for this year, patience and enthusiasm were two things that I really needed. We had a lot of things happening in our personal life, and especially in the middle part of the year that were really scary with health stuff. And I had to wait. And I learned over and over again that I need to wait. I can't get everything done as quickly as I want to get it done. I can't zoom through life. I can't zoom through my experiences and just wait till hope that they'll be over soon. I need to sit in it. And like, sometimes it's terrible to sit in it, but, but that's what it requires. And sometimes I need I need a lot of time to let something sort of brew and percolate in order to make sense of it. And I can't speed up my thinking and my comprehension all the time. And I have to give myself patience and I have to be patient with others and and mostly myself. I think that that's why I'm an impatient person. It's because I, my brain thinks so fast sometimes that I want my emotions or my heart or my spirit to catch up or even just my my body, right? My somatic system. I want it to catch up with my intellectualizing and my sort of, I don't know, like brainy comprehension. And it doesn't always. So patience and enthusiasm. Again, I think that's gonna be my mantra for next year. And that quote, I come back to a lot because when I find myself being frustrated, it's for two reasons, right? I'm being impatient or I'm not finding my joy. I'm not finding my enthusiasm for life. And when I dial up my enthusiasm, it I can't be fake because I'm just, I can't. Trust me, I've tried. I don't have the energy to do that. So I have to find genuine enthusiasm from something. And usually I can. I can find it when I start looking, but I have to be implored to look. And when I find that for myself, it's magical and it spreads. Other people catch that little wave of enthusiasm. That's a spell. Summoning up your enthusiasm for something, your joy, your excitement, and letting other people catch that joy. That's a spell, totally. Like that's your, you're calling all your energy up to you and then you're sending it out into the universe with a desired outcome of happiness <laughs> and, and enjoying your time here, enjoying your sweet time here. And that's pretty fucking cool. So those are my seven takeaways for the year. I want to give like my biggest wins and my biggest losses, my biggest failures. I had many. 
<laughs> I fired a coach that I like invested a ton of money in. It was just not a good fit. I was really um, mad and frustrated. And that was a good learning lesson. that just because just because you hire someone to help you doesn't always mean that they will be, they will help you. <laughs> they don't always have the answers for you. I had some moments where I didn't trust my gut and that really came back to bite me. I had some moments where I created relationships with people who like weren't that dope and I needed to create a strong boundary and either cut them out of my life or create a strong boundary with them. And, you know, people don't always like that <laughs> when you when you create a boundary. I had this weird thing happen where in the very, very beginning of 2021, I had like within three weeks, I had like five people plagiarize my work. I was like, whoa, what is happening here? And it didn't happen again after I cr- created this really strong boundary for myself of my energy and what I allowed people to take from me and what I was giving away too much, too much away. And that was a that's a hard lesson for me. I never want to be in scarcity mode with like what I have to give. I always want to give people the benefit of the doubt. I want to be generous, like radically generous. And sometimes being radically generous means like taking the time to teach someone why what they did was not a, a cool thing and creating a boundary and clarifying that boundary for them. And sometimes being radically generous just means you don't publicly drag them, you know? But hopefully most of the time it means being able to give things away and give wholeheartedly. And I think some of the big wins this year were we gave away over $100,000 in scholarships at Holisticism, which to me is huge for a very small company that's bootstrapped, that is female-led. And I, I'm really proud of that. And it wasn't easy. And I know we get flack from some people for the way that we do things. And I know other people really like it. And that's something that I'm really proud of being able to create and do. And I wouldn't have been able to have done that with the team if I wasn't really conscientious of our sales calendar and also what our capacity was to give. How could we not sort of pour from an empty cup? How could we make sure that we were giving from overflow? And Factoring that in, like that, that's math, my friends. Um, doing that math for the business meant that we could give away so much money, so much support to people that really needed it. And that's been just such a blessing. <laughs> Hashtag blessed. And I mean, I married the love of my life. That's a huge win for me. And did a wedding and no one got COVID. That was a big one. And got to celebrate with my team. They were all there except for my lovely Stacy. And I just get to come to work with the best people. And I get to talk to you guys and I get to make dope shit. It's really fun. I think my last thing would be embody archetype embodiment. Picking my outfits or my costumes, picking my perfume, picking each character that I wanted to play every quarter has I think helped me more than anything do the things that I want to do and be the person I want to be. And that's been so fun. It's been so fun. And I wish that I had known that earlier in my life. I think that things like fundraising would have been a lot easier for me. But I'm glad that I know it now because I guess I wouldn't have been ready before. But playing with these ideas of archetype embodiment, characters, our, our multiplicity, embodying our digital avatars, 
on the team, like seeing the team do that has been incredible. Seeing them grow and shift and change at like a rapid rate and just like level up has been so fucking cool. And also to see our community members doing the same thing and putting these practices to work and hearing these amazing results that they're getting is just so cool. We talked about that a lot more in Digital Alters because we talk about archetype embodiment. I'm actually hosting a free digital archetype power hour where we're going to create our digital archetypes for 2022. I think that's like in two weeks, but that's all coming. And that was a huge one. Huge, huge. Made my life so much more fun. And just keep learning, my guys. Like, man, my life is so much more fun when I'm not so rigid in what I believe in. And I interrogate my beliefs, you know, back to that. Do I have to do, do I have to do it that way? Do I have to think that way? Do I have to believe that? And I just let myself wander through, is that true or not? And do I really believe that? And why am I so holding so hard onto that idea, grasping so tightly? What would happen if I was a little bit more fluid and flexible? And I don't know, tried to see things from a different perspective because I'm pretty rigid. So that's been helpful for me in my little black and white thinking universe, which I'm always trying to get out of. Ugh, it's hard. Anyways, that's what I got for you, my year in review. I hope that you take some time to review your year and figure out what your big takeaways were and what your failures and what your wins were and what the coolest things were for you that happened. Ugh. Also, new energetic minimums were met this year that were just like, oh, amazing. An energetic minimum is like what you – you will never settle, settle for less than that. And I had so many up levels and energetic minimums from monthly you know, revenue to how I want to be treated by people I work with to like how I want to be treated by my friends and family. Like new energetic minimums were set and it was fucking baller. So, so much stuff. I'll talk about more. I'll talk about energetic minimums more in our future visioning and 2022 circular sales calendar workshop. And I'll talk more about digital archetypes and creating digital altars and virtual spells in our digital altars notion class, which happens very soon on December 6th. So I'll put the links below if you want to learn a little bit more about those situations. I'd love to see you in class. And I will see you on the 12th house in 2022. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. I can't wait to present to you what we're working on. It's taking a lot of research and a lot of time and I'm just like elated by it. I think you're really going to love it. All right. That's all I've got for you. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Remember to rate, review, subscribe to the 12th House Podcast and our new pod. Good for you. We're giving some things away. It's going to be really fun. Make sure you follow on Instagram because it's going to be killer. And I think that's it. All right. You're the best. I love you. Stay cool. Stay magical. And I'll see you on the internet. Bye.